If you're looking for a podcast to give you ideas for spiced hot apple cider recipes... Ooh, that actually, I mean, it's not us, but no. I, I would go there. The, yeah, uh, that would be lovely. However, this is not that podcast. <laughs> no. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a uh, married couple together for 35 years uh, takes turns each episode selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together, and then we discuss it. I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. My latest is for Marvel's Eternals. Not my favorite Marvel movie. You can read the reasons why at StanTheMovieMan.com. It happens. Sometimes they whiff. They don't whiff usually real bad, and this one isn't bad. It's just... Not your favorite. Yeah, not my favorite. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan. You can follow the podcast, at CTMarriage. You can get in touch with us by sending us an email, ComedyTragedyMarriage at gmail.com. And you can get in touch with us more directly by leaving us a voice message. Just click the link in the description of this episode. Joining me, as always, as she rubs her itchy eyes in Tis the, the season, fall y'all. allergy season, is uh, the, the person for whom I have the utmost respect. The <laughs> You really need to <laughs> broaden your horizons and raise your standards. Well, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, have have shared more than half my life with. That's true. Both of us have shared more than half our lives together. We have. That's uh, a lot of history. This is uh, my other half. Maud the seafaring broad. Oh my goodness! It was your choice this week. It was. And as usual, it was a surprise right up to the last minute. Um. Yeah. Uh, so, you selected the film this week. Why don't you tell everybody what we watched? I did. At the suggestion of a friend, um, I decided to do a little snooping around and find a movie. Um, it, it, it Two different titles. Um, in Great Britain, it was called The Boat That Rocked. In America, North America, it was called Pirate Radio. Um, a 2009 British comedy film. Um, it was written and directed directed by Richard Curtis about um, pirate radio in the UK in the um, during the 1960s. Um, this is some of the same people who were responsible for the film Love Actually. Um, the film has an ensemble cast um, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman, brilliant as always, Bill Nye, Reese. Iffens, Nick Frost, and Kenneth Branagh. We have a small, <laughs> a small but pivotal appearance by Emma Thompson as well. Um, basically, the storyline is um, British schoolboy Carl um, gets expelled from school, and his mother sends him to spend some time on his godfather, played by Bill Nye's, um, pirate radio station ship that's that's sailing, standing. It's 
It's, it's in the North Sea. It's docked. It's I mean, it's not docked. It is... Anchored. It is anchored and does not move. Um, it's, it's, you know, a pirate radio station, as we've said, and they are... They are subversive jocks on the air, and they're playing all of this rock and roll rubbish. Mm-hmm. And um, Philip Seymour Hoffman portrays the lone American DJ from across the pond, um, and he's known as the Count. There are <laughs> there are a long line of colorful um, DJs, jocks on-air personalities, whatever you choose to call them, mm-hmm. who um, who occupy the ship and, um, you know, play their music and do their hijinks and their shenanigans um, during their breaks. And they have a news and weather guy, and they have um, the lone woman on the ship is a lesbian who knows how to cook. Yeah. Because they have... <laughs> her name's Felicity. Um, and they have a strict rule... Um, no chicks on the boat except like every two weeks each man on the boat can invite a woman on board Mm -hmm. for um social activity entertainment purposes conjugal visits whatever you want to you know whatever you want to call it um the whole thing to me first of all i i looked it up and i did a little very little bit of research and i saw its rotten tomatoes rating and i thought okay stan is really not going to enjoy this and i thought maybe i won't either but it came highly recommended so i thought we'll give it a try as someone who has worked in radio in the past Mm -hmm. i thought i should see this Mm -hmm. to just to Edumacate and edumify myself. So um, that's what we watched. Um, the film, to me, as Stan and I discussed it last night, just a very little bit, um, has sort of an Animal House slash Big Lebowski vibe about it. It's goofball and juvenile in places, and um, I thought it was great fun. Um the reason these guys are on the boat and operating a pirate radio station is the BBC, uh, which controls pretty much all the media, at least at the time, in Great Britain, uh, only was playing an hour of rock and roll, maybe once a week. It says in the... Yeah, not enough. In the the cards at the beginning. But um, at the time, 23 million Britons listened to pirate radio because it was not stuffy. The announcers were entertaining. The music was what they wanted to hear. Yeah. Uh, of course, this angers the establishment in Parliament, and I don't know which department um, he was supposed to be over. But um, the the villain of the piece, uh, played by Kenneth Branagh, who is some sort of he's he's a member of the prime minister's cabinet. Yes, he um, he says that within the year, within a year, pirate radio will be off the air, and he he enlists his staff to try to figure out a way because technically they're not breaking British law. And it isn't until they figure out, you know, uh, that they that their broadcasts are 
um, uh, stopping communication with fishing vessels, including one that uh, did an SOS and nobody heard, um, that that was a way they could sort of end around and make the pirate radio station illegal. Yeah. Um, now, as I pointed out to you, yeah, uh, Kenneth Branagh um, is, I think, intentionally made to look like Adolf Hitler. Yeah, he's got um, the Hitler stash kind of happening. Sort of. It's, it's, it's wider, but he's got the slicked hair. He's got the explosive temper. Um, I don't like Kenneth Branagh as the heavy, but he chewed the scenery so brilliantly here. Yes, he did. Um, he was just um, the, the villain you love to hate. And this movie is filled with British character actors. People you will know on site, but you maybe don't know their name. For instance, Chris O'Dowd, who has found uh, more success in in America. He, uh, uh, I think everybody sort of discovered him um, in the movie Bridesmaids, where he plays like a uh, highway patrolman um, who encounters uh, Kristen Wiig's character. Uh. Um, who's the lead? And uh, I think a lot that the popularity of that movie really broadened his uh, his, his name recognition in in America. But he's he's in the film. I, I think he's almost sort of the heart and soul of the movie. Um, he plays Simple Simon Swafford, uh, who's one of the DJs. Bless. And yeah. <laughs> Also a small um, but pivotal role by January Jones, mm-hmm. um, who who you might remember as Betty Draper from Mad Men. Yeah. And um, gorgeous as usual. Uh, vapid as usual. Uh, <laughs> um, especially vapid here. <laughs> yes. Uh, because there's a rule. Uh, as you said earlier, no women were allowed on the ship except for that once every two weeks thing when they're allowed to invite girlfriends, mm-hmm. significant others, um, people they meet in pubs, to the uh, to the ship. The exception to that rule is if the woman is married to one of the men. Now, none of these people are married. None of the men on the ship are married. So, there's a small subplot about that. Um, which I'm not going to ruin for you. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't work out real good for him. Bless. Bless. He's yes. so sweet. Uh, you got Nick Frost as DJ Dr. Dave. Oh, he was, he was, he was delicious yes. in his role. Uh, he's, uh, somehow he's a ladies' man. Never quite figured that out. You know? Uh, he's a big, burly, hairy Flabby, regular, average-looking dude, but apparently he can, he, the ladies love him. He can uh, score quite successfully, and does. Uh, Reese Ifans is Gavin Kavanaugh, who had at one time been a British DJ, went to America, and um, was lured back with a promise of what well, I don't know, no, money, I guess. Um, although you don't hear any, apparently they sell advertising on this pirate radio station. 
Um, and he's just far too cool for anybody on this boat. And he and the Count um, have have issues yes. because he, the Count was brought on to replace him when he went across the pond mm-hmm. to the colonies. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's back and it's like, okay, where's this going to leave the Count? Right. Um, so there's a little bit of, you know, um, posturing and, and posing between the two of them to a point where they play a pretty major game of chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the stunt people made their money, mm-hmm. made some money in the game of chicken as that scene was shot. Now, the, the one actor that I saw that I knew I knew him from somewhere because I recognized his voice, but I could not quite figure out where. And then it came to me, like, I think today, mm-hmm. uh, Reese Darby was Angus the Nut Nutsford. <laughs> uh, Everybody hated him. Yeah, he was not the most popular. He 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 plays a New Zealander, which they never say. Uh, although they did reference to make reference to him as a foreigner. Yeah. So, okay, uh, but he plays a um, a pivotal NPC character in the Jumanji, the modern Jumanji movie, uh, oh, okay. with The Rock and all all those folks. <laughs> oh, calm, calm down. The but rock, yeah, I knew the rock I knew is pretty. I knew the voice. I just uh wasn't okay. wasn't sure where um uh where uh I knew him from. But yeah, and Bill Nighy who is probably Ugh. the smoothest character in history when he's not playing an evil vampire. Uh, uh he I, I and he's so funny. He's yeah. incredibly funny in this role. Yeah. Uh, a, a deadpan. Yes. And, of course, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, who, um, you know, pretty much just was Philip Seymour Hoffman every, through most of this. Everything he touched was brilliant. Yeah. So. He, he does he, he does the sort of the um, vulgar American act pretty pretty well and look this whole group of djs and the support people uh on board the boat um they're a family of sorts dysfunctional family well, but a family well duh um uh, and they they have um this this would probably be the thing that those that would still be alive today um, would look back on as the greatest time of their lives. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, the Count says that. Yes. These are these are the best days of our lives. We'd like to think that's not true, but it, it's true. Um, these guys also have a very strong unifying bond, which is their passion to rebel against the restrictions um, of the, the British government, the restrictions of the establishment, and their love of the rock and roll. Yes, and this this movie has the soundtrack a is fantastic soundtrack bomb. Yes, it is. It and you know I haven't heard a lot of these songs in a very long time. Yeah. Um. 
and it's just constant hit after constant hit by you know some of the greatest um artists of the 60s and 70s yeah it's this is jam-packed with goodness yeah it's a and when they listed all the songs that are on the soundtrack it was like three pages pages, three pages long in very small print um on the screen and um yeah it the music is as much a character as any of the people in the story exactly i couldn't have said it better the music also is you know um fits perfectly in with where the story is at some points mm-hmm. um so it's um it it is it's a really entertaining film now i think in part it's entertaining because you and i have both worked in radio yeah probably but um, still and and i still do but i'm in a support uh capacity um but back when we both worked in radio we were still spinning vinyl uh, granted, it wasn't the best music in the world. Some we of it was. Well, yeah, and uh, a lot of my experience has been in country music. I tell you what, my brief stint in country was some of the f- most fun radio I ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the, the song titles alone, the jokes write themselves. <laughs> so, like, you know, anyway. But, yeah, it's... We both worked on the air mm-hmm. early in our careers mm-hmm. and spun vinyl mm-hmm. and, you know, reel-to-reel tape and carts, which look like an 8-track yes. tape, for those of you who are old enough to remember what 8-track tapes are. I believe they're actually 4-tracks, 4-track um, tapes. On a uh, cart? Yeah, and they um, have a... Sp- you know, a specialized player. You you can't just shove these into your eight track machine at home. It won't work. No, no. Um, cart but, cart for cartridge. Yes. Um, which some stations used for everything, music and commercials, and also. Uh, but at least when I first started, um, we spun records, and the commercials were were on carts. Were on carts. Yeah. Um. It's a kind of a nostalgic look back, at least for me. It was for me, too. How, you know, everything started. And even though it was played kind of fast and loose with how you actually operate a a board, uh, how you, you know... How you segue from one thing to the next. Start a song or, or, you know, yeah. It's actually, it was pretty accurate. Yeah, um, the 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 cluttered mess mm-hmm. and you know the like the Tasmanian devil has run through the control rooms. Mm-hmm. That that's what most of the control rooms have actually looked like. Yeah, it's pretty um, close. Short little story. Um, I worked at um, a local hundred thousand watt flamethrower part time mm-hmm. adult contemporary. Mm-hmm. There were lady jocks on the air there Mm -hmm. so that studio was fairly nice and Mm -hmm. it smelled like potpourri Mm -hmm. and there was always air freshener Mm -hmm. because girls worked in there Mm -hmm. um the classic rock station down the hall from us um no girls on the air at that time and that studio looked like a bomb had gone off in it and it smelled like cheetos and feet (laughs) 
And, and that was on a good day. And that was on a good day. Occasionally, you add in the ripe stench of the musky aroma of the unwashed, mm-hmm. um, the smell Some. of alcohol sweat from mm-hmm. the, the jock who comes in first thing Saturday morning with a horrible hangover, mm-hmm. and stale cigarette smoke. And there's... There may on a on a very special day there may be the smell of rotting food in the trash can. It oh all, yeah! It all just creates the the ambiance of a radio station. It is a very special bouquet. That's exactly right. <laughs> it is. It is. But it starts it, on a, the foundation of Cheetos and feet. Yeah. It it is. Uh, once you smell it, you don't forget it. You don't forget it. And uh, it will remind you of walking down the midway of the fair. Because there's always that sort of pungent, you know, stink that uh, comes from uh, 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 Coke um, that's been dropped. The cups have been dropped. yeah. And food that has been discarded, not in a trash can, just wherever. And uh, the occasional vomit... A little uh, bit from from a ride, um, and you know, or from the rancid funnel cake. <laughs> um, plus, you know, the stink of the great unwashed. Oh and gosh, good the times. Cigarettes and, Such and all good that. Times. It's 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 quite a um, melange, if you will, of sensations uh, when you walk into a. I mean, and it is different. Between the rock station and the um, AC station. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't think so. They're on the same ventilation systems and all of that. But no, there's a significant Dif- stink. Different bodies occupying those spaces. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot different now. Well, yeah, because there is actually a girl or two on the classic rock station well, now. Well, there is, but... The, you know, so that cuts down on some of your man funk. Well, but more than half the day is automated. Is automated. When there's no... There's not a body There's in no seat. funk of any kind. Uh, and I think we have cleaner people working now than we did before. That is entirely possible. Uh, well, there's one guy I'm not entirely sure about. But anyway, discuss that later. Be that as it may. Uh, also, the whole... Um, concept of pirate radio in in this instance uh aside from jamming the um you know the emergency channels for fishing boats um i believe these guys were on and they actually said the frequency and i think they said medium wave i don't remember Uh, but you know people could pick them up on their transistor radios which back in the day the bigger ones uh, that had the handles on them, not a boombox, pre-boombox, yeah. um, had shortwave and other frequencies other than FM and AM. So they could, they could not interfere with the licensed stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we occasionally have, uh, or we've had a couple around here that, um, you Bled know... Bled over onto... Well, um... Like they're they are pirate radio stations. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're not licensed by the FCC. They uh, have no. You know, they their transmitters are 
you know, they don't have real good control of the power output, <laughs> and occasionally it gets turned up a little bit. And they bleed over. Uh, and they interfere with the licensed stations. There's a reason why you, you know, 100,000 watt stations are spread out from each other, whereas the lower power stations um, on the same frequency can be within, you know, 30 miles of each other. But as long as nobody cranks up their transmitter level too high, mm -hmm. their power output, then you don't interfere with somebody on the same frequency. Pirate radio does not follow that same rule. Um, and we've had a couple. There was one um, in South Knoxville, I think off Redbud Road somewhere. A number of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it w there was one back in there somewhere that I, I think finally got shut down. Um, oh, and uh, there are radio stations across the border in Mexico and down in Cuba, usually AM stations, that uh, have these massive power outputs of like 5 million watts. Dude. Um, and when the satellite condi or the atmospheric conditions are right their signals will bounce especially off the night sky mm -hmm. um, and travel thousands of miles um, I remember hearing a station from Cuba when we lived down in Florida mm -hmm. there was a station from Cuba uh, and occasionally they would do that just to mess with American radio stations no. Yes. This is back in the Castro days. Um, where they would crank up their transmitters and interfere. And I could hear this Cuban radio station coming through our EBS transmitter. Interesting. Um, and then there, you know, sometimes if you're driving around at night and you flip over the AM band and you scan, uh, you'll hear stations from hundreds of miles away because their signals bounce off the atmosphere. AM amplitude modulation it lends itself better to that kind of right. bounce, as well as a lot of AM stations will go directional at night. Mm -hmm. So to reduce on, that, yeah. Um, but depending on where you are, I mean, I was working on an AM station here in you know East Tennessee, and I had someone call me there that night from Northern Maine, <laughs> who was who had. You know, we were bouncing that far, mm -hmm. and I was not jacking up the transmitter. It was just you were directional at night, weren't you? We were directional at night. Had you not switched it over? We had switched it over. Ah. That's why it went that far because we were northeast to southwest. Ah, ah. So anyway, okay, that's a lot of technical yes, jargon that, that nobody here cares about. We yeah. should probably <laughs> we should probably take a break from our nostalgia trip yes. and. Um, and come back after the break and rate this thing. And we'll do that right after this. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage. Yes, we have uh, exited the nostalgia train and the Reminiscence Express, and uh, we are back to talking about the movie Pirate Radio that was also called The Ship That Rocks. Um, the, the movie um, it's a British film, and that's what it was released as in Britain. Um, but the initial cut was 20 minutes longer. Hmm. Uh, and the American distributors saw it and went, mm, we're going to need to shorten that. 
and we're going to change the title. Yeah. So they cut 20 minutes off of it. Which it still comes in at, uh, at an hour 57. Right. And, um, and changed the title and released it in America to generally a lot of yawns. Nobody cared. Um, it also, uh, what, it got a 59 on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Yeah. It, now, that's marginal for them. Um, uh, 59 is a rotten, but like 63 is a fresh. So uh, I couldn't find a Metacritic score for this one. And it did not do well at the box office. Um, it cost, which surprised me um, enormously, $50 million dollars. To okay. make this movie. Uh, and as you uh, go through the um, credits, there's a lot of references to uh, special effects and also um, phrases that sound like they used a lot of CG on this movie. Hmm. Uh, I guess because they never actually shot out in the water, um, they they must have just made it look like they were on a boat. Hmm. You know, a bunch of green screen. But, uh, yeah, it cost $50 million to make. And granted, there's a big cast, but nobody was bringing in, you know, $10, 15 $20 million paydays for their movies. Uh, worldwide, uh, it made only $36.6 million. Ouch. So, yeah, it lost. It tanked. A lot of money. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, yeah. So. That's terrible. Yeah. Because, and I think you can tell this already, well, you like this movie. So, what rating do you give Pirate Radio? Five big freaking antennas. That's exactly right. I agree with you completely. Five giant, massive, five million watt flamethrower antennas. This is, this is a fun movie, and it's not just because we're both uh, radio veterans um, it, it's it's got a snappy script the characters are lovable despite themselves um, and granted the the ending's probably a little too happy but uh, I'm glad it ended the way it did yeah because it almost didn't it, well it I almost was the, the almost ending was like oh my god how how did this take such a sharp turn here but it, it's okay. But it would have been so such a sharp turn that it, you, it, chances are audiences would have been very angry, at least the seven or eight people who saw it. So uh, if you got $4 to spend, then uh, by all means rent this. On We watched it on Amazon Prime. It's probably available to rent a thousand other places. But yes, we definitely recommend you see Pirate Radio. Really, really liked it. Um, what have you watched? Okay. A couple of things, um, which I didn't mean to um, <laughs> stick to a theme, but I kind of ended up sticking to a theme a little bit. Um, let me look at my handy-dandy um, technological device. Um, I watched a four-part um, British drama um on Netflix called Adult Material. Um, it is the story starring Haley Squires and um, a, a really 
cool supporting cast, including Rupert Everett, um, looking really, really terrible. But oh. his character was supposed to look really, really terrible. So uh, maybe he doesn't look that terrible for reals. I don't know. Um, Haley Squires portrays a an adult film actress. And this series is all about her, and she's she's a veteran in the industry. She's thirty five years old, so she's she's looking down the barrel at the end of her career. Mm-hmm. She is very much um, a mother hen on set. She takes young actors under her wing. Um, you know, can, can I make you a cup of tea? Would you like some chicken soup? I mean, she's very nurturing. Mm-hmm. She is also a wife and mother of three children, and. Um, a lot of what this series is about is how she navigates um, her career as a porn star and tries to balance that with um, everyday mom life raising kids and Mm -hmm. running a household and you know looking at um, the various ways that she she monetizes her her brand her following her yeah and her her brand in the industry like um at <laughs> at one of the kids schools um one of the kids um throws a sex toy let's call it a sex toy because that's what it is it it's a sex toy in the shape of mom yes 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 it's a it's it's a limited portion of her anatomy. M- modeled after her. Yes. Um, so, but yeah. And, and but throws it at her daughter. Throws it, throws it at the desk of her oldest child, her daughter, um, who is experimenting sexually with her boyfriend for what we believe is the first time. Um, she's 16 years old, and um, she has gone over to boyfriend's house to spend the night and um, in one scene, she wakes up, and boyfriend is having sex with her. Wow! He, he started without her before she woke up. That's that's yeah. called rape. Is it what is. That is. It is. And a lot of what we see in this series deals with issues of consent. Mm-hmm. What is consent? What mm-hmm. is not? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in that respect particularly I feel like it's really um, it it addresses some really important points and addresses them um, in an important way mm-hmm. um, when the daughter goes home to a porn star mom and and they end up talking about this um, porn star mom has just um, encountered a, a situation on set where um, a young actress has, has played a scene and there's some issue as to whether she really wanted to do it or not was Mm -hmm. she coerced was Mm -hmm. she not was there actually consent was it you know and the whole issue the whole area of consent in that instance is cloudy as well Mm -hmm. um it's a lot of language you're gonna see body parts you're Mm -hmm. gonna hear bad words um but if you can get past that um, I found it to be really entertaining. So that was called Adult Material, and I found it on Netflix. Now, elsewhere, let me back up. 
um, a thing that I watched this afternoon was called Sex for Sale, Mm. The Untold Story. Now, I found this on Hulu. This was a a documentary originally produced for A&E, hosted and investigated by journalist Elizabeth Vargas. Um, And she talks to um, a handful of different kinds of sex workers. She talks to a young young married woman um she and her husband live somewhere in texas and she does primarily fetish videos things like you know it shows her squishing her feet in a birthday cake um and she waste of a perfectly good cake eh, whatever you know people are paying her big money i'm not gonna yuck somebody's yum but cake is yum yeah um she primarily does fetish videos, so mm-hmm. it's not necessarily what one would consider sex per se. Uh, there are people who pay her to sneeze. <laughs> That's their thing. They they become excited watching a woman sneeze. Um, there are a lot of things that people will pay to see her do that yes. aren't, you know, TNA. Right. So... Um, so that was the profile of one person. There was a male escort for um, female clients, mm-hmm. which apparently is something of a rarity. Um, he provides what he likes to describe as a boyfriend experience. Yes. His clients are older women, late 40s, early 50s, usually mm-hmm. wealthy, um, kind of married to their careers and just want you know, nurturing, cuddling, if sex happens, fine, but that's not his thing. They just want somebody, a man who will listen. Yeah. That's a lot of it. Yes. Um, You know, they showed him with one client. He goes over, she opens a bottle of wine, he makes baked ziti for her, and they snuggle up on the couch. Um, If sex happens, that's okay, Mm -hmm. but they're not paying for that. They are paying for their time. Exactly. Um, there is a woman in Toronto who caters to men who um, want to breastfeed. She Her specialty is lactation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's apparently a thing. I Again, not yucking a yum. I'm continually surprised at, you know, what's out there, but whatever. You should listen to Dan Savage's podcast. You will not be surprised by pretty much anything. Uh, There's only so many hours in the day, and I've got a life to lead. (laughs) Well, it's one hour once a week, so Uh, I think you could squeeze that in. uh, I just don't know if I want to. (laughs) But anyway, Elizabeth Vargas talks to these and other people about um, how they got into this business, Mm -hmm how how well are they doing financially and most of them are doing very well these particular people how old was this um like from 2018 2019 so fairly recent yeah um of course everyone portrayed here everyone was you know well uh, well of age adults there was nothing you know there was if you want to find something about sex trafficking that would be another documentary altogether um, but again, found it on Hulu, streamed it there. It's about an hour and a half long. Um, a lot of interesting insight here. I'm mm. glad I watched it. It was interesting. 
going back to the gentleman who gives ladies the boyfriend experience, mm-hmm. there's, I, I don't know if it's on Showtime or Cinemax, there's an entire series that follows a group of male sex workers called Gigolos. Yeah. Um, That's one of his Twitter hashtags, is, or, or one of his, um, you know, hashtags that he uses is hashtag Gigolo. Right, but this show is called Gigolos. Gigolos, yeah. Uh, and, it, and it followed a group of these gentlemen who um, provide that boyfriend experience. And they, I, I've never seen an episode of it. I've only heard of it. But, uh, and I, I think I heard one, one guy interviewed on a podcast. But, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of rules for, for being a male gigolo. Well, yeah. Um, as far, I mean, like, you know, about getting your teeth fixed and, and don't eat anything that'll make you gassy and uh, make sure your breath is always fresh. And You have to look a certain to, way. You, you have, have to, to present dress, yourself a certain way. You have to dress well. You have to have a decent body, which, you know, I'm out. Um, oh, stop. But, yeah. Um, and also there was a, might have been on Stars. A show called The Girlfriend Experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because there are women who do this. But there are women who oh, yeah. provide this same kind of well service. And often, if you go to like a high-end escort service, mm-hmm. not speaking from experience, just what I've heard. Because um, I, mean, I, you I can't, can't afford, afford high-end. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, that um, a lot of the men just want to talk. Mm-hmm. And they want an attractive woman by their side when they go to dinner or when they go to a, sh- a Broadway show or whatever. Meeting convention, what right. have you. They, you know, they want to be seen in the company of an attractive woman. And hopefully the guy is not a troll. So, you know, at least maybe the woman enjoys it as well. But she's being paid for her time quite handsomely. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's an it's a it's an interesting world that um, I think America has got to rethink its position on sex workers. Uh, we shame them so much. Uh, credit card companies do the best they can to um, so that somebody affiliated with sex work is not using their platforms to to get paid uh the whole i don't know if you paid any attention to it but OnlyFans, which is a website uh that has primarily adult oriented material on it that is produced uh you know fresh so to speak and people who subscribe to the various uh, performers on OnlyFans pay for access to their adult material. I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Well, again, I'm never sure. Um, so, um, OnlyFans announced they were going to scrub all adult material off of it. Um, you know, any nudity, any sexual activity. Uh in part because of federal laws. Uh, there's something called FOSTA-SESTA that is supposed to be fighting um, uh, sex trafficking, but the, it's so broadly written, it's 
written in such a way that people who are consensually involved in sex work are being made criminals and uh, the credit card companies don't want to be you know uh, sued by the federal government for being involved in sex trafficking so you know but again it's so broadly written anything even consensual agreements between consenting adults can be defined as sex work I I know you didn't come here to listen to um, a rail against the um, federal government and how America treats sex workers but there it is um, so, That's just a bonus for you. Yeah, yeah. Lucky you. So, yeah, I, I, America's got to figure out, because there are other countries in other parts of the world where sex work is legal. It's controlled. It is regulated. Mm-hmm. It is taxed. Uh, there are health inspections for the sex workers. So, they pay you know, they pay taxes. Yeah, this British thing that I watched actually um, depicted the the video interviews with the performers, you know, with their health certificates held up. And yes, we've been inspected. We're mm-hmm. negative for everything. Mm-hmm. And yes, everything that I did today on set was consensual, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So Right. Um, and, you So know, apparently in Britain, it is a regulated industry. Well... Uh, Adult video, yes. Yes. Um, Adult video, yes. But not sex, not like exchanging money for sex. Escort. Uh, right. Prostitution, whatever. Right. So uh, sex work is sort of the catch-all mm-hmm. for for all of it. It is now. Um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, that's that's something we've, we've got to, as a country, we, we've got to loosen up on all this stuff and there will be those who say but the American family yeah it's been in the American family has been at the bottom of a lot of people's lists for a very long time and people who want to employ a (laughs) sex worker will do it whether it's legal or not yeah so the laws against it have not helped and they've only hurt people they have forced them into underground sex work which is extraordinarily dangerous Dangerous, yeah so yeah we need to fix that i'm done um speaking of the american family yes what should happen on november 5th but season two of the new rebooted animaniacs dropped on hulu i was gonna bring that up (laughs) (laughs) and also squeeze we we have enjoyed Animaniacs when it was Since running the first time. Yeah, uh, we have I think the entire series on uh, DVD. Uh, yes, there are DVDs in my house. Don't judge me, haters. Um, get over it. I'm not talking to you. Oh, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, and now it's the second season of uh, Hulu's reboot of Animaniacs, which I'm I'm trying to figure out why it's not on HBO Max. But because their Warner Brothers owned cartoons characters, uh, so it seems like it should be on HBO Max. I don't care. I'm I just glad either. it's there. Um, I do wish they, you and I both wish they had Slappy Squirrel back, and maybe some of the other characters that uh, had short cartoons between the Animaniacs cartoons. Oh, Chicken Boo. 
Uh, we need chicken, chicken boo, boo would be nice. Um, wheel of morality, give us back the wheel of morality. Yes. Um, and, and there are lots. I, I can I can live without uh, Rita and Runt. I never liked those. I, Rita and Runt was a weak a weaker link in the Animaniacs chain. I did kind of like the Good Feathers. Yes, I enjoyed the Good Feathers, and I enjoyed Buttons and Mindy. Yes, Buttons and Mindy always uh, a winner as. Uh, she constantly is on the verge of being uh, decapitated or crushed or whatever, and then Buttons either saves her or winds up taking the brunt of whatever it is. Uh, so okay, yeah. lady. Love you. Bye-bye. Mindy, my name is Mom. Call me Mom. Okay, lady. So, okay. It, yeah, we, we, we really we love enjoy that. Animaniacs and are very glad it's back. So... Uh, that's on Hulu. Second season is streaming now. All 13 episodes uh, have been dropped. We are parsing them, though. We have yes, not watched them all. To, we don't want to fly through them. <sighs> no. Because we, who knows how long it'll be before um, we, we get any more. Because, you know, they only signed the two-year contract. Because they show that in the opening song. Uh, <clears throat> so, if, if you enjoy animation that... Uh, is for kids, but I think a lot of the jokes will go over their heads, but there's nothing offensive about it. It can make fun of itself. Yes. Uh, then um, Animaniacs, we highly recommend. Um, I watched a um, um, series on Netflix called Catching Killers. Uh, it is about the investigators that um, brought down some of the serial killer, the most infamous serial killers. Uh, one of them, Green River Killer. I watched pieces of this with you. You did. Uh, you True were, crime. You Gotta were, love it. You were very impressed with uh, the uh, investigators who were still emotionally moved by having collected the bones or the bodies oh, of gosh. these young women who uh, were uh, uh, just used, murdered, and uh, discarded like trash by Gary Leon Ridgway um, over the course of decades. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I think they got him for like 29. I think 49. Okay. Well, there's there are dozens and dozens of his victims. Um, and um, it's it gives some hope um, for, um, you know, the future when, and granted all these guys are retired, but the two, two of the male detectives who worked on the case, um, as they were discussing it, broke down into tears yeah. or had to stop and pause for a minute because of, of how this case affected them. Um, and I think almost every one of his victims were sex workers, street-level sex workers. Mm -hmm. So, and there was some, you know, complaint that maybe the police didn't take it seriously enough because of who these women were. Yeah, they were just they prostitutes, were, so nobody would really, you know, they were, some of them nobody's were drug addicted, it. nobody's right. going to miss them. Um, and I, there's, I don't remember the acronym now that it's like uh, not real not real human or something like that I don't know. 
uh, when referencing victims that the police don't care about. You know, an acronym that's done by the police, some police. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I don't remember the first killer they talked about. Oh, well. Um, it's a four-episode series. The first two are individuals, uh, individual serial killers, and the uh, last two episodes are about the happy face killer. Haven't watched those yet, but we'll eventually get around to it. Eileen I think Warnos was one of them. Eileen, that's the other one. Eileen Warnos uh, was was the other one. So that's Catching Killers on Netflix. Anything else? Uh, no. Next week is your movie choice. Do you that's have any right. idea? Um, I had one thing in mind, and I may as well say it. Uh, all that jazz, which is okay. uh, a semi-autobiographical film about um, the life Bob Fosse. Fosse. Yeah. Um, and it isn't streaming anywhere. You can't even rent it. You'd have, you know, I'd have to get the DVD. Huh. Uh, which I'm not above doing, but that's weird, though. Yeah, I know. It's it's one of those. I mean, even. Uh, you, you just it's they haven't released the rights to it yet for streaming <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me either but maybe that something may happen or yeah. well I, I doubt it's going to happen because i haven't ordered it yet but um maybe something along that line something sort of dreamy and um disturbing and um you know something but not a horror movie I okay. won't. I won't do that to you. But okay. who knows? I might completely change my mind. The world is your oyster. Exactly. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. You can find us, of course, on all the podcast platforms. But if you would be so kind as to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, that would help us the most. But if you can um, subscribe and rate and review on whatever platform you use, that would be great. Uh, if you uh, would like to suggest a movie for us to watch, you can send that to us in an email. Uh, tell us the name of the movie, where we can find it, and why you think we should watch it. Send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. And you can also send us that information via a voice message that all you have to do is click the link in the description of this episode. A good episode this week because you made a great choice oh thank you we really both enjoyed it i'll thank dan for you <laughs> okay well, thank you dan whoever you may be and uh until next time love you love you and later, later. yay